You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. First and foremost, thank you so much. I have sat many a times watching you on the big screen, dreaming of one day becoming an actor. I just want to say thank you so much. And <laughs> thank you. Make me dream and open the door for me. And I love you, my skill game girl. That was the acceptance speech of actress Chong Ho Yeon of Squid Game, which bagged three awards at the Screen Actors Guild this year. She won Outstanding Performance by an Actor in a Drama Series alongside castmate Lee Chong Che. Believe it or not, they're the first Asian actors in the history of Screen Actors Guild to have won any award at all. I'm Franco Luna, Puma Podcast. In this episode, we ask, what is behind Hallyu or the Korean wave? How is Korean drama able to break so many barriers? It's easy to think of Squid Game or the Oscar-winning Parasite as overnight successes. But actually, Hallyu has been in full swing for a while now. It's just that Hollywood has finally caught on. Hallyu has been present for more than two decades already. Like since the 1990s, Hallyu has been present like first in China and then moving on to other parts of Asia. With the recent wins of Parasite, Squid Game, you know, I, I think it's a matter of the Western world finally joining us in this Korean wave phenomenon. That was Korean studies professor Michelle Korea of the Ateneo Department of Communication. She says Korean entertainment breaking glass ceilings is huge, not only for the country, but for all Asians everywhere. I think it signals then that maybe there will, this will be a catalyst for uh, the de-Westernization, de-Westernization of culture, reordering the dominant culture. And there will be more, a wider audience and more conversations happening about a culture other than the West. The audience is changing, so a younger generation that is more open to diversity, the generation that is receptive to subtitled works, we're just beginning to see them now. Yeah, so I think it will take time. Whether it's the glossy sense of K-pop or the gripping emotional storylines of Korean novelas, there's just something about the way they tell their stories. What is it exactly? Most people would say it's the stories. They see a deeper aspect of human, uh, human nature in these dramas. 
So in terms of K-dramas for Filipinos, it has been, what has been appealing were the stories and the plots. These are compelling for Filipino audiences. So it's not something that they often see. When you look closer, you'll notice that K-dramas also use many of the same elements Filipino telenovelas do. Love triangles, damsels in distress, rags to riches, unrequited love. So why do many Filipinos prefer K-dramas to teleseries despite the language barrier? When we ask people, we get a plethora of answers. It's the high production value, the fashion, the beautiful actors, the cinematography, the family-friendly themes, and so on and so forth. They all love it for very different reasons. Meanwhile, Michelle has a theory as to why K-pop really took off in the U.S. in the last two years. So in the Western world, parang they are perceived with more authenticity compared to the manufactured idol groups before them. The pandemic is also a factor. Parang they need to find something happy in the world. You know, BTS lyrics give that. There's a message of hope. There's a message to take care of yourself. And that kind of resonates in this time of pandemic where everything is uncertain. In Korea, content and entertainment have already outsold cosmetics, household appliances, and even agricultural products. That's saying a lot, considering South Korea was largely known for its cars and cell phones imports. In fact, the Korean government has capitalized on it as a form of soft power, and it's creating a halo effect on its other industries. At the same time, as an offshoot of interest in these dramas, there will also be interest in other things Korean, like food, culture, language, um, cosmetics, fashion gadgets, and even tourism. So more people will be encouraged to come to Korea. And as we go deeper into Korean popular culture, we get sucked in to the whole Hallyu ecosystem. Michelle also says it's important to give credit to one of the most important parts of the industry, the fandoms that hold them up. There have been dedicated fans who have been subtitling Korean dramas and K-pop contents for free. So they do this out of love. This Hollywood success is a collective effort. So in K-pop fandom, you are not only fans, you're not only consumers, but you also produce contents that will help promote your favorite idol group. Fans also, you know, mobilize during voting season to make their favorite idol group win a certain award, a certain music award. And finally, the advent of streaming is what catapulted K-Entertainment to new heights. Just look at the gore and subversion of titles like Kingdom and Squid Game and how their massive popularity was down to word of mouth, to people encouraging their friends to try it. And Netflix has helped in a big way. It reportedly spent nearly $500 million on Korean content in 2021 alone, possibly more this year. And it makes a big push to highlight them on their homepage. That gamble paid off. Squid Game is Netflix's most successful series launch ever. The Koreans have blazed the trail. Now it's time for Asian creators everywhere to push forth as well. So I think there will be more investment in the Korean entertainment industry by streaming sites like Netflix and Disney. At the same time, I think 
there will definitely be more avenues for Korean artists and content creators. I mean, those working for the entertainment industry to tell their stories. Let me leave you with a soundbite from Parasite director Bong Joon-ho when he accepted the Oscar for Best Picture in 2020. Again, a first for an Asian film. Once you overcome the one-inch-tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. <laughs> and that was today's episode of Teka Teka. Again, I'm Franco Luna. This episode was edited by Presh Capistrano and produced by Kat Ventura. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend or two. And of course, don't forget to follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.